with uh, Deputy Minister Rob Stewart. He says that there are 300 uh, commercial CMV, that's commercial vehicles. Yes. Their grand strategy for global dominance is already being implemented. They are carving up the world into superstates that transcend national boundaries so that we are easier for them to manage. They have already established the European Union and the African Union. Politicians from the United States, Canada and Mexico, under the title of the Security and Prosperity Partnership, have been working on the northern part of what could arguably be called plans for an American Union. This has been going on for years without citizen or congressional consent. A Pacific Union is already in process. This is the organizational chart for global tyranny, the structure for complete control. Here are two of the most powerful men in Europe talking about moving to a single world government. It is extremely important that we in this new ownership of global governance have particularly on both sides of the Atlantic the implementation of the same rules in the same fashion. 2009 is also the first year of global governance with the establishment of the G20 in the middle of the financial crisis. On the international level, the central banking elite have put huge organizations in place to implement their policies, including the World Trade Organization, the World Health Organization, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. Union has not really worked out well for Europe. We'll know the details this winter when people are freezing. So naturally, the Biden administration wants to create something very much like that in North America, an EU-style government. The Mexican president, AMLO, says that Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State, just proposed that idea. Watch this. I think that... Mr. Blinken spoke about consolidating the region of North America, and we agree on that. We are also in favor of a unity of the entire American continent, like the way the first European community emerged and converted into the European Union. That's what we want. Oh, so we're going to merge with Mexico in the middle of the most brutal drug war in its history. Mexico is effectively run by the cartels at this point, but we're going to merge with the cartels. Okay. No one noticed this, really. Florida Congressman Matt Gates noticed it. He sent a letter today to Tony Blinken asking, what is this? He joins us tonight to tell us what he's heard back. Congressman, thanks so much for noticing this and for asking what it means. What does it mean? And did you get an answer? It means that the globalist left wants a homogenized North America because they don't think that much of the United States of America in the first place. I haven't gotten an answer, but it begs the question, why are we so friendly with Mexico anyway? They've cooked up more death 
in the Mexican mountains than any crazy mad scientist in Wuhan would have ever thought of. And it's hard to tell where the cartels end and the government of Mexico begins. They had a That's former right. president take a $100 million bribe from Sinaloa. They had a former defense chief function as the muscle for the cartel, one of their state-level attorneys general, sentenced to 20 years in the United States of America. But while they're sleepwalking to a war with Russia, they are actually surrendering American sovereignty to Mexico. And Canada's not much better. I don't want my constituents having to live under the socialist, tyrannical lockdowns enacted by Justin Trudeau Castro while their nephews being poisoned by Mexican fentanyl. But that apparently is the globalist order that the Biden administration supports here as they give away our money and our chance of a brighter future overseas. Of course. I mean, the Mexican cartels have killed multiples, many, many more Americans than Al-Qaeda ever did. And we fought multiple wars over that. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here today, this Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Hope you're doing well. We had midterm elections yesterday in the U.S. And the guy you just saw on screen there, uh, Matt Gatz, I think he won his uh, seat again or whatever uh, thing he, he was doing. Uh, but I think overall it's been a big win, I think, for Denver. A lot of surprises. We'll talk about that in uh, just a moment here. Uh, a lot of surprises. Uh <clears throat> All right, and okay, let's 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 wait with that because it's like you know, elect do do elections matter, right? That's the that's the question, and uh, it's nothing wrong with participatory, you know, participating. Obviously, I think we should do what we can do, but at the end of the day, uh, no, <laughs> it kind of doesn't in a way. It, it has too much momentum. It has too much. Uh, the, the the big machine is just moving, you know, what I mean, in one direction, uh, and it's just a matter of like, do you want to get on the lifeboats or do you want to stay behind and go down with the ship? It's kind of like that's that's what we're looking at, I think, uh, to be honest. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into it here. Just not super deep or anything like that. Just show a, little, a few things uh, that's uh, curious, of course, uh, as usual these days when it comes to elections, how super fair and super secure and never been safer. Uh, uh, that's the era we're in now, right? All right, so anyway, uh, guys, if you want to join us today, live slash TV. Rumble Odyssey is open as well. If you want a super chat, we'll read those on the air. Uh, do not forget to check out the latest uh, members video we did, did on the depopulation opportunity. Check that out. Uh, good video. A little drier in a way. Kind of funny, actually, in some ways, though. But um, very important uh, when it comes to trying to predict what the situation will be like in about, I don't know, 10 to 20 years from now demographically uh, and how we... Partially a little bit of how we turn that around, but I kind of, I'll, I guess I'll bake that, continuing, continue to make that point and bake that into today's show uh, when it comes to the uh, elections here. That what should we focus on instead of, you know, it doesn't matter who we vote in. You know what I mean? That's that, that's the point here. There, the the issues we face are far deeper than that, and no politician's going to fix this for us. No, no one's going to show up and you know hold us in the hand and lead us through this. It's it's up to us to uh, to do this. All right. So anyway, I thought it was some other, what another housekeeping item. I guess, I guess that's that. I guess that's that, boys and girls. So um, we had a little uh, curious stuff here that happened that in uh, unison with the election. It seems that the demographics that would kind of need to show up just at the right time uh, did kind of show up, which is a bit curious. Uh, a couple of tweets here. In Pennsylvania, the early youth vote is at 318% compared to 2018. The early black vote is at 1,770% compared to 2018. And the early women, woman's vote, 
oh boy, is at 725% compared to 2018. Something is happening in Pennsylvania. That's right. What, what, what could that be? Of course, everyone was super excited about Big Lurch Fediman. Fediman came out and just, uh, you know, grand slam for that guy. I can barely speak. It's, it's, I mean, if there's anything, this is about demoralizing people, right? That, isn't that what it's about? You can literally put, uh, you know, a, a guy that can't speak in, in charge and he'll, you know, or, or up for election and he wins the election. I don't think it was legitimate. May, look, there's a possibility it was, but it's probably they, they got some of these states locked in at this point, right? Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan? You're telling me people are still voting for that after everything that happened? You know, with the lockdowns and the bullshit and the, the terrorism, the, the fake gay terrorism, and the cahoots with the FBI, all that stuff happened. Nope. Co uh, Kathy Hochul in New York, same thing. Gavin Newsom in California. These people are, are in again, you know what I mean? Um, you know, holy shit, right? That is crazy. Uh, in Michigan, as I said, the early youth vote is at a whopping 207% compared to 2018. The early black vote is at 139% compared to 2018. And the early women vote is at 138 compared to 2018. Michigan voters know the stakes of this election. Arizona, same thing there, right? Youth vote, 115%. Black vote, 98% compared to 18, and the early women vote is at 94 compared to 2018. Uh, so anyway, all the right uh, kind of pieces were moved in place, right? One thing I already know, someone said on Twitter, if not, if not, if not for voters under 30, tonight would have been a red wave. CNN National House exit poll. And then you can see the numbers down there for yourself in terms of Republicans and Democrats and age groups and stuff like that, right? Um, so, and usually, of course, they, they don't show up, right? They, it, it's like they're too bored for this. You're telling me now that, it be, what, because of abortion or something? <laughs> so what happened to the white supremacists, the GOP? They got to come out and stop them? Is that what happened? You know, we, we, we got this too. Just a quick showing here. Fediman, as uh, Oz said, and, and not that he would be any better, by the way. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that they can run a guy who's like, I mean, looks like Lurch. He can't talk, and like he's he's winning. This this is to demoralize you. That's what this is about. Um, huge spike, forty thousand votes. Like immediately, all of a boom, forty thousand votes for Fediman, right? Which is kind of crazy. Uh, I, I'm sorry. This is Tim Waltz. It was it was another one with Fediman like that. Okay, so sorry. This, this is my bad. I think I, I think I brought in the the wrong one. Yeah, Tim Tim Waltz. This this is okay versus Scott Jensen. But anyway, does that remind you of anything? That's the point here, right? You you saw some of these type of things in this election as well. Uh, huge just jump and spike right away, which is pretty crazy to be honest. And some people detail this a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to go into it. You know the thing. We covered this back in 2020. They didn't change. In many states, it wasn't changed. Nothing was done about it. In some states, they did some things, but obviously it was not, you know, it was not hardcore enough. It wasn't taken seriously. Nothing was done with it. So, of course, they will continue to uh, rig the vote. And uh, so this is what happens, right? Uh, it's obvious now. America's voting system is rigged. Uh, writes uh, Emerald Robinson here, and again she goes through the cases for that. Was this the one? The Fetterman? Man, that's a bad image right there. Anyway, you see, the point is, you know, you saw these kinds of things. <laughs> there it is, right? Things over and over again, just a boom, a spike all of a sudden. Ex exciting. Remember the, the the Biden? What was it that someone did a couple of good memes with the uh, uh, him him kind of jumping over, right? 
Yeah, so there's the Tim Waltz one, Scott Jensen. Uh, there's a couple of other ones here. I'm not even sure which one that is. But anyway, so, so, so you know you know what's going on. This is, this is the same old bullshit that they've always been doing. National file ballot scanning issues, potential duplicate scans reported in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, which is where uh, Fetterman uh, won, right? With polls now officially closed in Pennsylvania, poll watchers in Delaware County have reported scanning issues at the Union Power Plant Central Counting Center in Chester. Gregory Steenström, good name there. Good, strong Scandinavian name right there. A Navy veteran and forensic computer scientist told National File that he observed two stacks of roughly 500 ballots being run through a scanner twice. <laughs> the first scan was reportedly voided, but he added that it was not possible to be certain. They were then moved about 20 feet away from the scanner to the back of the room. There you go. So you gotta, you got to move back. <laughs> it's the same bullshit every time. You know what I mean? Stian Sturm, who is, a both, uh, who is both an observer and certified poll watcher for Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania House candidate Nicole Miss Mission, is that what it is, uh, told the National File that the counting center has had a good turnout of trained poll watchers as well as lawyers for statewide and county campaigns. Good turnout to, uh, of trained poll watchers. And this time we have attorneys from Oz Mastriano Galuch on uh, hand who are smart, savvy and nice. But tough, Stinson said. He added that the attorneys are pushing and assertively fighting back with citations of law and procedures in addition to asking questions and demanding answers. But of course, as we know, uh, nothing really happens on that front, right? Even uh, Haaretz, the Israeli publication, got involved in the midterm elections. And they said that the uh, GOP is reviving its most infamous anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. And if you uh, keep reading, it's basically about uh, Antifa. So I, I guess I guess they take the uh, they they take the uh, the credit for that one. It's interesting. Of course, it's not historically inaccurate, uh, but that's uh, always <laughs> always fascinating when they when they come out of the woodwork, right? All right. Good day. Good win for democracy. Uh, Joe said here. Uh. It was a good day, I think, for democracy. And I think it was a good day for America. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little horse. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people's... Now it went our way, so uh, now it's good again. ...spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. The states across the country uh, saw record voter turnout. And the heart and soul of our democracy, the voters, the poll workers, the election officials... Uh, they uh, did their job uh, and they fulfilled their duty, and apparently without much uh, interference at all, without any interference, it looks like. Uh, all right. It was a good day, I think, for democracy. So, you know, some of these races are still not called yet. You have the one about Carrie Lake and uh, who was it again she was running against? Hobbs or something? Was it Dobbs or Hobbs? Uh, Katie Hobbs or something? Um, that one is days and days away before, until we know, but yeah, I mean, most likely Carrie Lake will win, and she wasn't really that great anyway. We exposed her back in the Weekend Warrior show, which is just like, um, you know, the GOP is the Latino party, and you know, oh, I have a Latino husband, and my kids are Latino, so, so therefore, blah, blah, blah. She's done a dumb bunch of cringe, dumb things, you know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't really matter. Is he a controlled opposition? Is he just, you know, that is he just that ill-equipped to understand the severity of the situation? Who knows? But would it have been a super big difference if she comes in? M maybe on some issues, but most likely not, to be honest. Uh, not on the things that really matter, though. Uh, I mean, it's good if they can keep some of the... Um, crazy, like, uh, sex education stuff out of the schools, and if they get... But at the same time, wouldn't we want to see people pull their kids out of public school anyway? You know what I mean? Like, 
there's in, in a way you could argue that these types of results and of course it's so true in many european western countries as well where you see like oh the oh the nationals came so close you know, kind of thing and it's not that we you know go and vote for them to do that go to go and vote and 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 you do what you can do that's totally fine right uh, but then at the same time, it's like you can't, you know, you can't rely on that. You know what I mean? That's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, so as I said, I mean, it's like Gretchen Whitmer, uh, yeah, Fetterman, obviously. Who, who did I put in, a th in the thumbnail here? Hochul, uh, Gavin Newsom, right? It was a couple of these, which is just like, really? <laughs> what the hell? You know, so did people, did people, maybe they really voted for these people. I, I mean, it's possible, you know what I mean? But uh, I, it looks it looks like with a combination of fraud and coercion and scare tactics and and, and fear and kind of a, a you know uh, this is this is the the path it's going right. So there was a couple of good tweets regarding uh, kind of the analysis here, right? Ian Smith on Twitter said, "Nobody's coming to save you." I said that three years ago when we defied lockdowns. It was true then, and it's true now. Believing you can or uh, you can't vote your way out of this mess, believing you can is willful ignorance. The decline will continue. Start preparing your family for hard times ahead. Marty Bent said, uh, "Stop voting." I mean, you don't have to stop. Oh. It's fine. You know, you can you can vote. I wouldn't. You know, it, it doesn't hurt to vote. But the point, you know, still stand. No one, no one's going to fix this for us, right? Anyway, Marty Brandt says, or Bent says, stop voting, shift all focus to building the parallel society. Bitcoin, you can, you know, take what you will from that, but whatever, you know, I, I believe in Bitcoin still, despite a, <laughs> despite a crash today. At some point, I think people are probably going to flee into it, but gold is good, silver is good. There's some other, uh, you know, good good things you can you can uh, divide up your, uh, your assets in or what you have, you know, things that you can save and put away or whatever. Uh, sovereign data storage, shaking your rancher's hand. That's, of course, a very good thing. Growing a garden, taking your kids out of public schools. Yes, absolutely. This is the way. You won't change the system from within. It's not possible. It has too much momentum. It's too big. It's too complicated. It's too corrupt. It's too steeped and soaked in, you know, the the, pe the pedophile blackmailing rings, <laughs> basically, right? Uh, and uh, whether we like it or not, it is going to go down. It is not going to survive. That, I, I think that, and that's a good thing. Um, someone said as well, Adrian said, uh, it's funny to see GOP types debating which candidates or issues would have made a difference. When the simplest hypothesis is that there is a critical mass of voters who will support left liberalism on essentially theological grounds, regardless of the conditions it produces. I think that that is true as well, to be honest. I think there is a strong base of of the mutant class, which will they will they will support the, the, this this shit. You know, they want the 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 sexual uh, the, the child sex mutilation stuff in schools. They want the sex education. They want the uh, anti white policies. They want the open borders. All that stuff, right? Hulk Hogan says nothing changes but the names, brother. H <laughs> H. Hail Hogan, as I say. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of that. Just keep it uh, short and sweet on that issue. To be honest, th th there's more to say about this as we go, kind of thing, right? Uh, Space Kang over on uh, Entropy says, uh, "Fantastic intro today." Well, thank you, appreciate that. Uh, glad you uh, you're joining us. Let's see here. There's more. There, I mean, look, th this is this is what we're this is what we're up against in a way. You could you could say right. This is a um, 
a male here, circle in red, who won Miss Greater Dairy, a beauty contest in New Hampshire that was sponsored by the Miss America organization. <laughs> this is this is what they it's what they stand for, and it's religious at this point. It 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 is it is a cult of mutants. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment because, of course, around that you have the end of the world cults, you know, which is tied to the climate change issue, global warming, you know, this kind of stuff. And that's reared its ugly head at the COP27 that's happening right now as well. And, and it is a huge cult. And you, you probably won't, you, we probably won't, like, you're not going to win them over. And maybe that's not that's not the point either, but you have to be willing to uh, relocate. Let's let's put the image back up there again. So we can you, just as a just as a slice, a recent sample of what we're dealing with here. <laughs> you have you have to uh, you have to move. <laughs> you have, if you're not in a good area, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to relocate. You're gonna have to move. Now's a good time to do it because uh, economy is gonna go to shits anyway. And um, uh, demographically, there's going to be such a transformation over the next, uh, I mean, 10 years. The, the, the shifts because of that could happen much sooner. It might be a little bit delayed. This is very hard to, to kind of to tell, right? Uh, but then you have the shortages issue from, from food to fertilizer to su- general supplies, uh, China in decline, which is the factory of the world and these kinds of things consumerism as we know it is is over and that's a very good thing uh so there's a great opportunity in the next few years to construct and build parallel structures uh and uh, even institutions uh develop curriculum pull your kids out of school start taking your own res- responsibility uh basically start forming tribes and uh, groups communities and if you're not in a good area make sure that you go to an area where you know there's good people uh, or maybe at least you've just heard about it. You get, maybe you want to try it out. Of course, best thing is to have a, a connection there. And again, I'm not only talking about the U.S. Now I'm talking about I- everywhere uh, where Europeans, you know, where we where we have built our countries and stuff inside of these. And it's not it's not conceding to a certain extent, but it's it's as I said before, you're going to have to have a certain amount of people. And look, this conversation not just coming about about the, the midterm. This is a this is as I said, largely irre- irrelevant. That the trends. That's that's coming. The the uh, projections here of of where things are going is going to happen essentially no matter who is in there. It's just kind of it's just to how insane will it be before like we're we're standing at the the inevitable in a way. Like how 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 insane up to that path will it or up to that point will it be? And I know there's some out there. It's like you know the 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 worse the better you know kind of thing. I'm, I'm not sure I believe that, but I, but I I some days understand that perspective. Um, you know. Like it, it, if it gets radically worse, that that does tend to shake up and wake up a lot of people. And and at this point, I think it's yeah. If we can amass a good number of people, and essentially you you pull back into a zone where you can secure the existence of of our children and where we can have a future. That's that's what this is about. Because I think it is um, civilizationally in in nature. Most people don't understand that right now. And and hopefully I'm wrong. And this will just be a little bump. And you know well. Hopefully I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I think we maybe need we we might need this. You know what I mean? It's gone too far. We've been too complacent, too lazy. Uh, it, it's just been too 
too much bullshit that we've just allowed, right? And we've gotten the leadership they would deserve. And even now, if they do it with voter fraud, it's like, oh, well, that's still... They got to that point to be able to be and put themselves in that position because we kind of allowed it to happen, to be honest, right? Um, so anyway, I quickly just wanted to mention Brazil as well because uh, we had the election issues there too, right? And it, the, the, it's kind of mimicked there. I'm not sure how much of this we want to need to play either. Anyway, the point is a lot of people were out. Uh, Here's an example. A lot of people were out. This is like from, uh, what, a week ago now? Maybe even a little bit more. We didn't show it at the time. We didn't have time to cover it. Uh, I'm sure you saw something about it, but a lot of people were out. They were protesting the election results, and it kind of mimicked a little bit what you saw in America, you know, in 2020. This was, you know, bigger crowds and even more, uh, you know, <laughs> anger, actually, I'd say. Um behind it and a uh, lot of people out right so protesting the 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 bolsonaro thing i think bolsonaro won in every um district is that what they call it except one and apparently that was the the district where like the cartel is the most powerful and strongest so people just kind of assumed it was, was like rigged and stolen and whatnot it was crazy beforehand as well uh where people were there were people violently attacked for being Bolsonaro supporters, kind of like what we saw with the, the, the Trump thing back in 2016, right? Here's some footage of people showing up outside of the uh, military command in Sao Paulo asking for the, I guess, military to, to like, intervene or, or, like, you know, kind of showing them that basically, like, you that we just had a coup, you guys got to kind of act here. Uh, but anyway, people were, like, people were run over by cars and shit like that, too. Look at this footage. Brazil, there you have your uh, Charlottesville moment right there. What's going to happen? Of course, nothing, right? <clears throat> Here's the car afterwards. But things like that, right? The, the Bolsonaro supporters and stuff, they were like, you know, terrorized. They were being violently targeted and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so coming to the, the point of this here. And by, by the way, there were truckers. There were all kinds of things that happened that we didn't cover in detail at the time as well. Uh, truckers and farmers in Brazil are working together to oppose the election results. Uh, here's more footage of the truckers. We don't have to play all this because we don't get stuck on this today here. But anyway, uh, just some of the stuff. Warehouses in Rio de Janeiro's main food distributing center are on fire in Brazil, sparking riots with reported food loading uh, or food looting, rather. Crazy stuff like this. Deus, All right, anyway, so you get a little bit of an idea of some of the chaos that we saw there. Uh, but so in the wake of this, to get to the point of why I wanted to show that and kind of how it relates to the thing that's happening in the U.S., you know, as the kind of elite, I mean, yeah. So the clip I played in the beginning, think of that too, of like 
you need Brazil part of kind of an American Union things like you can't have you can't have people like Bolsonaro and Trump and although they can be you know decent on some issues they can be worse on others but it's not really about that it's like if you don't have 100% raps over these guys they 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 want them out right they, they want to regionalize the world. They want a multipolar world order. And that means the European Union. That means the Asian Pacific Union, which, of course, Russia is aligning itself with now. You have the whole BRICS situation, an African Union. Then you have an, you know, an American Union, things like this, right? At least a North American Union to begin with, like what uh, Mexico, U.S., and Canada. But it would probably extend and just be the all of Americas at some point, too. And you can't have a, a, a Bolsonaro in that, right? So you, you got to get a Lula in there. You got to get them to to line up with this, this new agenda. So basically, in Brazil, what they did is uh, they basically criminalized questioning uh, the election results. Here's the uh, video from uh, this is uh, Alexandre de Moraes, I think it is, is the president of the Brazilian Superior Electoral Court. Subtitled clip here, but uh, check out what he said. As eleições acabaram, o segundo turno acabou democraticamente no último domingo. O Tribunal Superior Eleitoral proclamou o vencedor. O vencedor. Toma, será diplomado dia 19 até 19 de dezembro e tomará posse dia 1 de janeiro de 2023. Isso é democracia, isso é alternância de poder, isso é Estado é republicano. É, não há, não há é, como se contestar num resultado democrático. Praticamente. This is, this is a fair and secure election. Divulgado com movimentos ilícitos, com movimentos... The point is, even if it was, the idea that you can't question it is, and, and you know, demand proof for it, whatever, review it, or what's a, do an audit, right, it is absurd. Antidemocráticos com movimentos criminosos que serão combatidos e os responsáveis apurados e responsabilizados sob a pena da lei. A democracia venceu novamente no Brasil. E quero parabenizar... Democracy has won again in Brazil, as us. O Tribunal Superior Eleitoral, os tribunais regionais eleitorais, todos os juízes eleitorais, os membros do Ministério Público Eleitoral, e mais do que isso, parabenizar a sociedade, as eleitoras, os eleitores, que em sua maioria massacrante são democratas, acreditam na democracia, acreditam no Estado de Direito, compareceram, votaram em seus candidatos e aceitaram democraticamente o resultado das eleições. Aqueles que criminosamente não estão aceitando, aqueles que criminosamente estão praticando atos antidemocráticos serão tratados como criminosos. E a sua responsabilidade, as responsabilidades serão apuradas. So people that question this and don't basically believe in the election, that because it was a democratic, that will define them as anti-democratic and that's going to be punishable by, by law, right? The, that's what he says. They will, they will be treated like criminals, uh, he says at the end there. Uh, so that's it. That's, that's democracy for you right there. The, the God that failed, uh, as the book goes by, uh, was it Hans Hermann Hoppe, right? Uh, this is their new. This is new. New linchpin in their religious system and de so-called democracy is part of this, uh, and of course that's whatever they say that it is. And when they cheat, that's safe and effective, and it's 100% uh, democratic. And if you question that, 
well, you're a dangerous uh, terrorist, which is a uh, threat to our democracy, and we have to put you in jail, essentially. All right. So that's to show you the overlap between what's happening in some other parts of the world as well. And we've seen this in other European countries. We talked about the Swedish, Swedish election. There was some stuff there which was fishy. Uh, and basically, there is no deeper investigation. In some cases, you can have evidence tricky small local things there's a little bit something here a little bit something but nothing is really compiled accepted into the courts and then you know processed or or, or fairly looked at essentially uh it's just uh, it they just say that it was safe and it's very fair and uh, secure uh, and then that's what you have to believe essentially right all right so speaking about another f uh, ad that actually ran during this uh, midterm election here in georgia uh, was this one, and it was uh, not too bad. Check this out. This is from uh, Stephen Miller, you know, the guy who worked with uh, Trump. I believe, isn't he Jewish? I think he's a Jewish, right? Stephen Miller. Um, America First Legal ran this in Georgia. Check this out. When did racism against white people become okay? Joe Biden put white people last in line for COVID relief funds. Kamala Harris said disaster aid should go to non-white citizens first. Liberal politicians block access to medicine based on skin color. Progressive corporations, airlines, universities, all openly discriminate against white Americans. Racism is always wrong. The left's anti-white bigotry must stop. We are all entitled to equal treatment under law. America First Legal paid for this ad. Yeah, not too bad. <clears throat> and uh, boy, were the uh, were the leftists upset about this one. <laughs> this is what, it was tweeted out by this guy, Walid Shah Shahid. Uh, yeah, Justice Democrats. This is, it was actually an expose of them not too long ago. I don't think, did, did we cover that? The Next Generation of Justice Democrats. This was actually run by Shank Yogurt, and we have a clip with him a little bit later, considering who uh, who runs the media to, uh, to enable uh, much of this, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, Justice Democrats. It was a couple of people. I forget some of the other people kind of behind the scenes to Justice Democrats. I'll see if I can pull out that video and maybe we can play that in the stream. It's actually fairly decent. Uh, but they basically demonstrated that like someone like AOC uh, is, is a hired actor. She, she's basically like a composite character that they invented. Uh, they were looking for, they were doing, uh, um, uh, what is it called again? Um, you do acting, uh, uh, you, you try to find the right actor for the role, essentially. I forget what the word is. There's, there's a term for it, right? And they were trying to uh, just find uh, kind of the right combination of certain proper properties. I think both, uh, you know, looks-wise, but also uh, kind of attitude and things like that. And then they took a bunch of policies and they just kind of put that right on. Yeah, like a casting call. Th thanks, uh, chat. Uh, something like that. Basically, like a casting call. And, and and they chose her. And then they said, these are your beliefs, blah, blah, blah. And all these Justice Democrats was, was behind all that stuff. And um, they were, they, they they are like the new, you know, they, they've been, in, the point made in the video was that they have had this long-term uh, tactic of, of infiltrating the, the Democratic Party, put their more radical anti-white lunatics in power, and that's largely worked, and it could help, it might have helped, you know, both with election fraud and stuff like that too, uh, but they, they, inorganic kind of synthetic nature of it is very attractive to most people where they can just kind of create a character like that uh put push all those you know kind of the right policies into one package and then sell it to people and, and since so there's so many mutant lunatics 
liberals out there these days, they uh, they bite, <laughs> pick up on this. Um, check out this one too. I didn't I didn't go through in too much detail yet, but this was kind of interesting. Uh, let me see here. Yes, here. So someone did a trade uh, mark for the slogan, I guess, White Lives Matter. Kanye West can't sell White Lives Matter shirts because two black men own the trademark. <laughs> I actually haven't seen the whole clip. Let's listen a little bit to this yet, uh, here. So, uh, Ramses, yeah. let me start with you. What do you plan to do with this trademark of White Lives Matter? Well, um, at present, we plan to do nothing. Um, no Just hold it so that no white person can use it. Nothing is plenty, uh, as you can imagine. Um, we have lawyers advising us on how to best protect the, the trademark. So um, it, it will not be used to hurt, harm, uh, trigger uh, any, any people. And as long as we are the uh, people in the position to decide how it is uh, used in commerce, uh, we will do our best to minimize the effect that it may have on people. So we'll have to see if like, what well, there's like telegram channels, right, with uh, White Lives Matter. It's fairly distributed. You know, there's like maybe a group over here with that name, one over there. And I would assume if there's any kind of someone sells a, a, a patch or a T-shirt or something, uh, then they can legally sue them, I would assume. That, and I assume that's the goal with it. I don't think these two uh, guys are the ones behind it necessarily, but someone uh, showed up, <coughs> maybe <coughs> maybe a businessman showed up and uh, told them, this is uh, what you should do. She but who knows? Who knows? So, Quinton, just, ex just explain that. So, oh, uh, Ramses, yeah. let me hey, start with you. Voted over there. Let me, let me keep going here. Where are we? Here we go. People in the position to decide how it is uh, used. In yes. We, um, and just to make it clear, we didn't purchase or pursue the market was actually assigned to us that by one it. of our listeners. Yeah, so one of your listeners, you, you should do this. Got the trademark and anonymously, as I understand it, gave it to you. What I think is so uh, fascinating yes. about this gentleman is, and I want to think what's so fascinating about this is, you know, for a lot of people don't realize that you know, you have the right to trademark certain phrases in connection with a product in particular. And what was so ingenious, sure. I think, about this original notion was that if you trademark something, then obviously it cannot be used by other people. You've got to obviously police that and make sure it's not being used. But it was the goal that I think is so fascinating that everyone needs to know about because you, you, you were a little bit concerned about being able to and others being able to exploit this particular phrase, being yeah. able to profit off of <laughs> yes, it. Yes, exactly. White, white people should, and I mean, in this case, what is Kanye and all that stuff, but the point is, we don't want anybody out there to use this phrase, you see? So let's 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 use the legal system. Let's get litigious here, essentially, right? And uh, commerce. Let's use the business aspect to this and go in there and kind of like... I'm surprised no one has, you know, done this before. I would assume the BLM slogan and all that stuff, it's tied to corporations or groups or all that kind of stuff already, right? So you can't... It's not like you can do this one back already. They've already done it, right? That was really the drive. I guess it, I guess it demonstrates a little bit of the disorganization among, uh, uh, you know, people who are generally, you know, white positive or, or white advocates or pro-white people, you you could argue. Uh, not that this is the most important thing to sell a T-shirt with it. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, as the point being, if so, if someone uses this to put it on a T-shirt, they can sue you. That's the point, right? Having force of 
why it was assigned, why it was given in the first place. But speak to us a little bit about why it's so important to you to have this not be able to be profited off of in the time we're in. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so it's really about controlling who can profit from it. Mm -hmm. um, again, we have to be very careful about uh, the language here because um, <laughs> it, it, trademarks are a little tricky. But um, in terms of how it feels to be um, at the helm of this moment, uh, I, I can say that, that it feels good to see people's reaction to it, to, to, for, to see people feel like they have um, a reason to smile. You know, the, the past few weeks have been heavy for a lot of people, been triggering for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And so that, that feels good. And again, we're going to do right by folks. It's, uh, it's a real hard life. All right. So there you go. Now you can't use White Lives Matter, uh, ladies and gents. Uh, I, actually, I want to play. Let me do this before we do that. Check out this. Here's another clip. Speaking of, you know, you saw, what was it, like, Tariq uh, Nasheed, he tweeted out the the uh, uh, video of, was it, two younger white guys that were in prison outfits. They had blackface on. I, I don't have the clip here, but some of you might have seen it, right? And it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It was like, that's like the worst examples that can come up. And it was for Halloween, by the way, too. It was a Halloween costume, right? Someone was like the warden, and then it was like two, uh, two white kids in blackface. And and this is a, these are examples of like the worst of crimes that they can kind of hone in on to prove that we live in a white supremacist, uh, white supremacist society, right, and civilization. Uh, on the flip side of that, you don't really hear, hear that much coverage of, let's say, the uh, you know, the out-of-bounds, uh, let's say, statistics when it comes to certain racial demographics of overrepresentation uh, in crime or things like uh, rape and things like this, right? And, and as usual, the media just hones in on one little aspect. They, uh, they, that, that's what they do. The, when, whenever there's white on not even crime in this case, right? This is what this, these stats show, the white on black crime levels, which is, you know, among the lowest, beyond Hispanic on black violence, it's among the lowest if you compare it to black on white violence or black on Hispanic violence or Hispanic on white violence, for example. But that's what they hone in on. And that's the big problem. Um, but even when it comes to language, it's, it's vastly uh disproportionate or or un, unevil i guess un, un, unequal i guess that's a better term not unevil un, unequal uh uneven where basically you have people on mainstream tv that can call uh, for example the white demographic roaches uh, without again, no biggie, no no biggie, no not, you know, someone is fired or whatever. And apparently, it was one of the guy, uh, gals at uh, the View, Sunny Hostin or Hostin who called white Republican women roaches for voting for the Republican Party a while back. She was actually confronted about that. Check out this clip for a little bit more details on that. But again, imagine, we gotta, we got to say that, right? Imagine if this was said about, uh, you know, black people or something. Well, what, what do you think would have happened with that person, right? Uh, or, or let's say that's, uh, you know, the Kanye situation, right? Where you can't even question institutionalized influence and disproportionate power from certain ethnic groups because then you're canceled and fired but when it comes to call, calling white women roaches totally fine check this out but i want to say one thing i've um i've said that i think the economy and crime are the big motivating factors in this, ele this election but barack obama said something a couple weeks ago that stuck with me this won't be a popular opinion at the table but i worry that some of the far left has become so negative in how they talk about the other party these far left people 
Son, who who even is for? Who are you actually talking about? Okay, what what, what do they do? They really exist? I don't. I think that's a lie. Okay. Okay. You can other you, both sides hun, of this because the far left. I said hun, not like I'm talking the, to my the, husband. The, the father, far left did last, not storm the Capitol. Last week you so called. Let's talk last about week you that. called white Republican women cockroach. Actually, I didn't. And you no, said no, they're right. acting like cockroaches. I used an assembly. Let me let me answer that. Okay. okay. I used that for. Here's what I'm going to ask you all to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to tone it down a bit because yeah. I can't hear anything. Yeah. No one respond. can hear what's being said. She just said I called white women roaches. Go ahead which and my respond. My mother's a white woman, so Go I wouldn't respond. say that. Go ahead and respond. Second of all, but you did say that. Here it comes. Listen to this. What I used was a metaphor, really more in a simile. A simile. And I said, I just used the metaphor of of, of cockroaches for white. It's just a metaphor. I didn't really call them roaches. I just compared them to roaches as a metaphor. Get it? White women. Republicans, I just read a poll that the suburbans are now voting Republican. That is like roaches voting for raid. Now, by <laughs> there you go. So you did say that. Okay, good. <laughs> just, just being clear on that. The way that wasn't exactly my joke. Let me finish. That wasn't my joke. That was John Leguizamo's joke. It's a joke that I've used on this show a I few weeks ago. But we talk Let me finish. About the rhetoric. Referring to Latinos. And no one had anything to say about it. Sec the last thing I'll say is I continued by saying, do they want to be in Gilead? Do they want to lose their rights? They're Sonny, voting against their point. first I'm interest. I'm trying to make you consider so a you perspective. Are, you are before. actually no, I want you to twisting a what I said. No, no, that is what you said. What you said is it's like then roaches, don't say, right? It was a simile. Don't I say care, that I but you called white women roaches. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to break. You did. We'll be right back. All right. There you go. Anyway, so yeah, so she did say that, right? A little bit uh, out of bounds right there, right? Conservative thinker over on Entropy says, uh, white lives matter. She. She. Want to be sued? Is that what's happening? Are you trying to get me sued here? Conservative thinker says, lives white matter. Yeah, Is that, would that be okay, do you think? Could you twist? I guess you could twist it around. It has to be, I think the trademark has to be exact right down to the T. Uh, white people matter. Conservative thinker says, well, that's you, you could get creative, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, not everyone likes the term, but European lives matter. How about that? Or, you know, Euro lives matter. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and I don't just mean that people who lives in Europe and people who originally came from Europe, obviously, right? Uh, I think you can work your way, way around that. Thank you, uh, conservative thinker. Appreciate that. So <clears throat> you can call them roaches, right? That is no problem. Uh, and, of course, we know how little uh, consequences that will have for them because we live in an anti-white system. Surprise, surprise. Now, I want to change topic here a little bit. I want to get into some of the stuff that's happening on the climate change front, I guess, uh, because we have uh, an important event, COP27, taking place. And I actually wanted to begin on this story, and I didn't cover it at the time, but I think it's kind of important. We've seen an, an increasing attack on the food supply in different ways. In some cases, it's been an, an, an actual, like, you know, factories burning down uh, or they're grinding to a halt because of certain issues. Uh, you know, formula issue was about, oh, it's some bacteria that's allegedly in the thing, in the in the formula uh, severe weather shut down this factory. Uh, a small plane crashed into the sorting facility at a big potato farmer. You know, like things like that, like one after the other. Train derailments of like potash and, you know, fertilizer, things like that, right? Uh, so the Alaskan snow crab season, because, you know, this is a, 
another food source. A lot of people get their, you know, they, they eat seafood and crab is part of that, obviously. Has been cancelled for the first time ever as officials investigate disappearance of an estimated 1 billion crabs in the last two years. A 90% drop in their overall population. Uh, this Daily Mail piece says here, and we actually have a clip from this. I guess I could uh, summarize this story a little bit for us. Um, I'm not saying it's not real that they're not that you know these crabs are are not there anymore. Maybe they have relocated and stuff, right? There's that TV show like uh, Deadliest Catch, right? It's based around this, and uh, obviously they had to do have fairly advanced technology, I think, to find where the I forget what the term is for like is you know the 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 whole, uh, uh, you know, colony of crabs or whatever you call it, right? Uh, so I'm not sure if it's like, oh, we can't find them anywhere. They're just gone or, or have they moved or whatever. But of course, they're blaming uh, global warming for this, right? It's uh, many, they say here at the end, many scientists believe that global warming could be responsible for the declining number of snow crab in the area. Could be noted, could be. They don't have any proof of this, but obviously this is how they would pivot. Here's a short segment on this. Being a fisherman isn't a nine-to-five job. This was a photo that was taken when I was pregnant with her. It's a lifestyle, often spanning generations. Bree Dwyer is a commercial fishing industry photographer and storyteller. Her husband, Captain Sean Dwyer, is featured on the TV show Deadliest Catch. That type of lifestyle takes a certain kind of person, and it also takes a certain amount of drive that is really inspiring. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game announced Monday that for the first time in U.S. history, the Bering Sea snow crab season is canceled. For the second consecutive year, Bristol Bay Red King crab is also closed, citing in a statement long-term conservation and sustainability of crab stocks. There is a small bear die season, a little over two million pounds, and we have to make that decision of whether it makes sense or not for our boats. The Dwyers are part of the two to three vessels equipped to catch that crab of the 60 vessel fleet within Alaska Bering Sea Crabbers. We understand when the state shuts us down for conservation and to take pressure off the stock, but what we're not seeing is the state also taking actions on other sectors that have fishing impacts and affect our stock as bycatch. So that's what they would want to do, right? Shut it all down. Uh, <laughs> Which you could, which you gotta be able to argue, right? Is that is this really, uh, is it really necessary, or is it is it? I wouldn't say political, but ideological, perhaps. That it's like one, you can attack the food supply, uh, which causes more problem, but you can pivot and blame climate change, which then you seek to do political and ideological action with. I'm not saying it's justified. There's an awful lot of mouths to feed. Um, and of course, you do have to have responsible fishing. I, I totally understand that. However, that the, some of these people in government, that they're the people who look after and decide this, is some of the worst people, right? But you do have situations where China, for example, they, they go around and they trawl the oceans wherever they can. Some cases illegally, illicitly, right? You've had issues between uh, Spain and France and England in some cases, like which which uh, which uh, ocean to to fish. And some of them, they just trawl everything out of there. You know what I mean? And they just ruin. Uh, the. So I do recognize that it, it's, yes, it is a problem, but you always have to put that extra little, you know, asterisk after that and say like, okay, uh, but is, is there also a, an, an ideological kind of political motivation behind this? Very, very probable, very, very possible. This news trickling down to coastal communities, processors and local markets. 
once the holidays start, you know, there won't be any more king crab. And making fishermen families wonder. As fishermen, we are stewards of the resource and of our oceans, and we do care tremendously. Will they be able to pass on their legacy to the new generation? At the end of the day, we're fishermen. The executive director for the Alaska Bering Sea Crabbers tells me the crab supply will definitely come back, but the fishermen who lose their businesses during this year will likely not come back and lose everything. Go. Because of that, they are asking for emergency relief like that of farmers during a crop failure. Live here in Seattle, I'm Kristen Goodwillie, King 5 News. King 5 News. All right, so which takes us into this little issue here then of the climate change because that's obviously what they're kind of pivoting towards that's what they're blaming this is this is climate change blah 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 <clears throat> and i wanted to just do a little uh reminder here right of where we're going uh we've talked about this many times before absolute zero we've talked about the uh <clears throat> you'll own nothing and you'll be happy slogan right in that famous uh video that they ended taking down and by the way too i wanted to hear this one check that one out uh, one of the predictions the World Economic Forum had in that, too, uh, was a handful of countries will dominate. We're seeing the uh, balancing act right now where the powerful players need to be taken down a few notches and those that have less power need to be lifted up so that you can have a balance of power. You can have a multipolar uh, world order as opposed to, you know, just a, a, a super power or, or a couple of superpowers. That's part of that agenda as well. However, back to the you law nothing and be happy uh, meme, essentially, that that became. I saw that we had one from 2016 already, actually, uh, with a uh, lunatic uh, Norwegian activist, Ida Auken, uh, who said back in December 20, uh, sorry, December 12th, rather, 2016, welcome to 2030, I own nothing, have no privacy, and... Life has never been better. <laughs> so that actually be, that that started with a crazy Norwegian activist back in 2016. Now they did have an article that's linked up to that, which they took down, unfortunately. So I'm not, I, even the maybe we could find it on like the Wayback Machine or something. So I didn't have time to. Or Arcab was actually down at the time uh, when I was trying to find that. Let me see if I can find that real quick for you guys. Uh, but anyway. That's just to emphasize the point, right? That's where we're going. Let's see if they have it. It'd be interesting to see. Oh, they do have it. Okay, good. All right. Didn't check that yet. And it's slow. Horribly slow. Okay, here we go. Uh, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. <clears throat> Welcome to my city, or should I say our city? I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes even. Not a, not a single thing I own. Might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service, including your immune system, by the way. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. Yeah, it's always free. Of course, it's of course it's free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. First, communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then, when clean energy became free, yeah, dream on. Things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we would call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. 
we started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public because we didn't need to go we couldn't go anywhere see agenda 2030 is about to drive you off of the land you'll if no property you can't grow your own food you you have you have bug protein maybe some vertical farms and like you know trailers or shit like that this is uh that's gothenburg is that gothenburg yeah that's gothenburg right there holy shit Okay, is that I thought it was in Norwegian, Denmark, yeah, Parliament of Denmark, right? But that's that's gotta be that's Gothenburg. That's not Denmark. <clears throat> do they uh do they detail that in there? They just couldn't even get the city right? Gothenburg, no, okay. All right, anyway, detail. I didn't mean to do uh uh, get, getting on that one. Yeah, the death of shopping. Think of anything going on now as well. Look, there's obviously a problem with like endless consumerism and having that as a replacement for family and ideology and culture and tradition. Like I get all that, but the way they want to pivot this is is no good either, right? Obviously. Uh, this is the, the the worst kind of future that you can ever imagine, right? It will be UBI, a rent, a rent future. You just, everything is a service, as they said, and stuff like that. <clears throat> and it reminded me of something Rishi Sunak uh, entered into here recently as well. We'll get to that in a moment here. Lycan Warrior uh, over on Entropy says uh, 16% of hiring managers surveyed say they have been told to deprioritize white men when evaluating candidates. And 14% have been told to depri uh, deprioritize hiring white women. Excuse me. Link here. Oh, not found. That's too bad. What's wrong with that link? Uh, let me see. Is it a comma at the end? Maybe that's why. Yeah, let me take let me take that off there. That's weird. So I can find that link there. Like in <clears throat> Resume Builder. I haven't heard of that source before. Can we get it? No. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Let me just see if I can fix this. Now let's try. There we go. Okay, cool. One in six hiring managers have been told to stop hiring white men. What source is the Resume Builder? Interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm, why am I not surprised? Right. Over the past several years, companies big and small have made have been making public uh, their efforts to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's right. They're trying to be more inclusive of uh, white people. That's what's going on here. Uh, and, and those initiatives, as detailed by Glassdoor, many companies have made the connection that DI DI is not only good for society but also good for business. That's right. So if you can choke out them whites, then uh, you know you we're going. It's going to be a much happier world, right? She. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Lycan. I'll uh, do maybe do a deep dive on that later on too. Not not surprised, right? That's that's also, of course, part of this uh, twenty thirty future, right? Just exclude uh, the actually one of the most productive uh, groups of people, <clears throat> those who have uh, a. a strong record of, uh, you know, patent applications, right? I'm thinking like Northern and Central Europe and things like that. Basically, wherever, you know, a lot of white people live, you got to basically squeeze them out of everything. Do I have that source about the, that's actually interesting. I put that on our Telegram and on my Twitter, I think. Uh, the patents that have been filed, it was, not that it doesn't say everything, but it was kind of interesting just to see like why places like, uh, you know, Northern Europe and, and you know, Germany and other places are so heavily under attack right now. And why they want to replace the population? Like, I mean, they're, they're going for the kill in these countries right now. So anyway, Rishi, back to Rishi. Uh, let me do this one actually. Michael fifty seven de. Good to see you, Michael. Says white lives matter most. Hail Henrik. Hail the gods. Hail our folk. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll see if we can. Can we read the slogan? Will we be sued by uh, by by people for using it? It'll be uh, some. It, we'll see if anything comes out of that. It's going to actually be pretty interesting. Uh, 
obviously if someone like puts it on a t-shirt like Kanye did or whatever, they'll go after you. But like how much more like if, if someone has a channel or something named like that, uh, that'll be interesting. All right, here we go. So here's more of the, uh, uh, the future that they want to build, right? Rishi Sunak urged to examine universal basic income to protect Britain from future crises. Rishi, Rishi Sunak is being urged, which, of course, as you know, is a new prime minister in Britain, is being urged to examine the radical idea of universal basic income. You'll, you'll own nothing and you'll get everything for free. See now why they're doing the Clowen Piven strategy of like tanking our economic system intentionally, taking out as much, uh, or printing, I should say, as much money as possible, dumping that into the system, in inflation going insane. And then eventually, at some point, you're just going to have kind of a write-off, I think. Uh, no one's going to be able to pay back any of these trillions that everybody owes to each other. And there will be a universal global agreement by, you know, the Bank of International Settlements and the World Bank and the IMF and these groups to basically just write that off and create a new system. And baked into that is going to be, you know, things like UBI probably. Uh, which, of course, would be a, a, a nightmare for, for like behavioral uh, as a mechanism to behavioral control, right? Basically, a central bank digital currency, which is um, which basically is predicated on like being programmable. So you cannot spend any of the money that you want on whatever you want. And if you don't behave, if you've, you know, if you've said the mean things on the Internet or whatever, uh, then that will be, you know, pull, yanked immediately, essentially. The call comes from 285 campaigners, MPs academics, and mayors from across the country, including Sadiq Khan. Wow, what a surprise. Andy Burnham and Tracy Brabin. Uh, not sure who they are, actually. Other signatories include the food poverty campaigner Jack Monroe, former Labour shadow councillor John McDonnell, uh, and um, Green Party MP Carolyn Lucas. In an open letter to the new prime minister, they say a basic income could be our generation's NHS and prevent households being tipped into poverty. That's right. It's the, uh, it's the wonders of modern, uh, modern monetary theory. Just, uh, if you don't like it, just, just uh, write it off, right? Just, uh, just print the money. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> All right. So that's Rishi, right? And of course, it goes on here a little bit. But you, you know what the point with this is, right? Ultimate control, and uh, which takes us into the next clip here with Rishi Sunak speaking at COP27. And again, all this, it has a tie-in. This is what um, when Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum talked about a, a new, the grand, was the great narrative, right? Was the word he, he used. That this is, where we're going next is is part of that. The, the climate change issue is going to be baked into a, a religious narrative, uh, essentially. And in, it's too complicated to like reinvent the wheel and try to create, it is a new religion, but basically what they're seeking to do is take the existing Abrahamic religions and most of them, and many are already there, like we'll see with some of the Lutheran churches and stuff like that, right? But they'll, they'll just basically convert that into, I mean, you, the Pope is aboard this too with like climate change and, you know, poverty issues and we have to do the, my open borders, my great, they're all, they're all there, the upper echelons of, of most of these uh, denominations and churches and stuff like that. So this is what he said during um, the COP27 uh, appearance regarding climate change. How the war in Ukraine, with, between Russia and Ukraine, is 
spurring them on to act faster to deal with climate change. Listen to this. But it is also economically right too. Climate security goes hand in hand with energy security. Putin's abhorrent war in Ukraine and rising energy prices across the world are not a reason to go slow on climate change. They are a reason to act faster. Because diversifying our energy supplies by investing in renewables is precisely the way to ensure ourselves against the risks of energy dependency. There you go. I'm trying to, f- I'm trying to find that uh, the National Pulse article. I've shown it a couple of times, but if, again, for uh, newcomers, let's see if we can find that Rishi article real quick here. Yes, here it is, right? Uh, and, of course, it's written before he actually became the Prime Minister, right? Would be, but now, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Ah, go away. What are you doing here? There we go. Um, runs a China-linked World Economic Forum partner company pushing digital IDs and social credit scores. Oh, boy, what a what a coincidence. Could you believe such a crazy thing, right? The second wanderer, our entry stream, says, uh, I remember you saying before that capitalism is also bad for society, along with communism and socialism. What economic system do you think is best for us to thrive us as folk and country? Uh, yeah, I've kind of not diving too much in the uh, nomenclature, I guess, or like what you call it in a sense. I mean, you could call, you could call it whatever you want as long as it actually is a system that's looking out for our people. I, I could... I could do with a more socialistic system as long as you have good people in charge running it. You know what I mean? At the same time, I think most, I still think most white people, they they value autonomy during the National Socialist period in Germany, of course, with fascism. They had a, that that's basically like a, a an emergency solution to a problem, to like, to basically to survive, right? Like, it was so dramatic, so insane, so out of control that you have a, a political and ideological system that rises up and, and just like pushes the emergency buttons and basically takes control over everything. And you could argue, I think very reasonably so, that we're in very similar periods right now. And so I think for a time, if you have a system that is very controlled and rigid in order to purge the anti-European sentiments within it, that would be very positive. But I think in the long run, I think most people still value autonomy. It's the, the the danger with kind of an authoritarian system. I'm not afraid of that, but the danger with it, of course, is that, you know, the next, if you have elections still or whatever, like the next whatever revolution happens or whatever, then the, the, the next guy shows up and, and takes over. And now it's working, you know, against against us again, as opposed to for us. It's very it's very hard. It's just not like something you just, you know, kind of come up with. The, the difference today with the German system, which I just learned as well, is basically... They don't, you know, they they're not in control of their own country. The the parliamentary system there now, the Bundestag and the uh, the uh, what is the other one? There's two chambers, right? I forget the name of the other one now. But they can't. It, it's more about parties as opposed to individuals, and you can't just kind of uh, um, you can't just uh, you know undo the government right away. There's a specific legal clause that you have to form a new coalition with the existing. Uh, you know, ministers and so forth, the, the existing, those who got the votes, you have to reshuffle it around and stuff like that. It's basically a way when Britain, Fran- Britain, France and America wanted to permanently neuter Germany because of, you know, obviously Hitler, bad man, and, uh, you know, Nazi is bad. So we got to prevent this from ever happening again. And what's interesting with Germany right now is that 
because of the energy situation, you know, you could look at, I mean, if they don't solve this, you, you might be looking at Germany deindustrializing within the next couple of years. And what do you think is going to happen then? I mean, it's only, you, you, there's, there's only so much you can do uh, to push people to the end, or to the edge, before they're like, we can't feed our kids, we can't heat our homes, like, we need a, like you will have a rebellion on your hands, essentially. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Germany. My, my point on bringing this up, too, is, of course, because Germany had, like, you know, they, they had an economic recovery miracle, of course, under National Socialism after the Weimar period. And at least technically on paper, legally, they wouldn't be able to do something like that again because of this constitutional uh, barriers, essentially, that's been set up to neuter them intentionally. Now, if, if it's radical enough and if it's dramatic enough, you would just say, well, <laughs> screw that. Like, we're, we're you know, right people just take over, right? They just go in and they uh, do a coup, essentially. They take over and they rewrite that and say, nope, this is what we're doing now. Th there's always a chance of that happening. But that would be very radical and very, very dramatic, I think, for that to happen, too. And you'd probably see the rest of the world again lining up and like, oh, we can't let them, you know, blah, 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 do all this stuff. Anyway, so my point is, I think I think Germany obviously did something right in that period, the, the pre-war period and the economic recovery. You could argue they pulled it off after the war again, after being bombed into, you know, the Stone Age, essentially, and they did it again. So that that could be something to uh, to look at. But but I think most my point is, I think most people, at least Westerners, I think they value uh, they, they value individuality and autonomy and all these kinds of things. But obviously, we've gone so radically in that direction direction right now that we lack any like, you know, uh, group in group preference or any racial consciousness, any any identity, any you know sense of tribe and, and belonging to 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 a, a people to a group like that. So that needs to be undone. And I think I we I think we might be in that period right now. I think that's one of the upsides. Um, ironically, as things get much worse, I think we'll a lot of uh, people will fall back on. A reliance on each other again and i think a lot of people are going to try to find areas where you have you know, a lot of common sense people that think like you and i think that will be one of the solutions that we'll have to go to and and my point is like okay good you know what i mean so we'll see if these guys can pull it off or not you know what i mean like they want they want their build back better plan uh they want to have their their new uh you know you'll own nothing future they'll have social credit score and all that stuff but i am not sure they'll be able to pull this off i think it's so dramatically radical the the um the deindustrialization that these people are demanding the attack on food and energy and stuff like that that you might see such a such a dramatic rapid population and then you've not even let's bring in the covid stuff right i mean that into it as well and the super safe and effective uh jab and all that kind of stuff right so you have like so many issues right now that's lining up and you could just see massive consequences of that on on the population on the economy on the food system uh, that you basically have uh, destabilization to such a degree that you might not be able to like deal with it. Anyway, over to the the U.S. here a little bit because uh, this goes hand in hand with this: the attack on 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 oil and gas, of course. You know, uh, taking that away without having any options, without you know, sun and solar, uh, solar and wind. That's like not making up for this. Where are you going to get the energy from? What's happening? So Biden once again, anyway, uh, had a speech about that. He's saying uh, he's doing away with oil and gas. Listen to this here. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. 
and having wind and solar. Yep, there you go. And then this was denied. Uh, it came up with the press, the new press secretary. Listen to this. Find the president's remarks from the day prior. Can you walk through what the genesis of that was and whether or not you guys thought that perhaps it would be politically problematic had those statements been allowed to stand? So we just wanted to be, uh, you're talking about the, 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 so we just wanted to be very clear uh, on that, uh, which is why we uh, put out a statement. It seemed like there was a, uh, some confusion uh, on that and so uh, but uh, you know I want to say this it was some of you were this uh, th this gal is great by the way she uh, she she does a very good job there it was uh, it was loud and, and hard uh, to hear I think or maybe not uh, exactly what uh, what uh, what was being said but I currently don't want to get into punditry from here and and why we did it or do it uh, or you know paid you know, or do it did it on TV but I spoke to to this over the weekend the president words we believe were twisted um, and uh, we were very clear about that and anyone who knows Joe Biden knows he comes from a coal uh, a coal country from Scranton, Pennsylvania. His great-grandfather was a, a mining engineer, as you all know. President Biden knows that the men and women of coal country built this nation, and he has spent his presidency fighting for coal communities so that they, too, uh, can benefit from the energy from the energy transition we're in right now. Again, the reason why we put out uh, that statement to your, you, you asked me about the genesis, uh, we believe his words were twisted, and we just wanted to make sure there was some now this was like a mid, again a midterm that this now this is over this guy won of course look at that hey holy holy shit um this guy won and it became an issue because pennsylvania you know very big on the energy and the the coal mines and you know things like that there so it's basically no 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 he didn't say he didn't say that it wasn't it was taken out of context it wasn't really about that right so but this guy won anyway they're running on that they're running on deindustrializing. And, uh, you know, then you have his climate czar goes up at the, I think this is at the State Department, saying the same thing. By 2035, uh, they want the entire power sector uh, to be, <clears throat> quote, quote, carbon-free, uh, unquote. Here's uh, John Heinz Carrier. Ford Motor Company and General Motors and other companies around the world have spent hundreds of billions of dollars retooling their plants. Why? Because they're going electric. And by 2035, that's all we're going to have in America, electric cars being manufactured, not on the road, but being sold and, and new cars. Absolutely preposterous. If that's the law, then no cars are going to be sold. They're not going to be able to, they're not going to, be able to obtain the resources, considering everything that's happening right now, in order to produce all those cars. What, you got to keep in mind, too, one of the reasons why they're doing it is they're saying we're pivoting towards that. Otherwise, we'll die, right? You, you all do what we tell you, we'll, we'll die, everybody. So we have to do this, but then there's not going to be enough because we don't have the minerals. So you see, then you get two birds with one stone. You're deindustrializing. You'll have less cars, and only mega wealthy, really rich people will be able to afford things like a, a Tesla or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever equivalent they'll have at 2035 uh, or 2030. And so you have much less cars in rotation, which means you can't really go anywhere. Everything is just mega hubs, big cities. Everything is urbanizing. Everybody's moving into huge cities and uh, off, the, off the land. You know what I mean? That, oh, that's, this is what they want anyway. I think this will go in a different direction eventually, but this is what they want. And then they could just say, oh, well, see, we, it's, a, it's a supply and demand issue. We just don't have, we don't have the minerals. We can't do this. Um, and uh, voila, you have, now you have uh, uh, more families and more people 
and more individuals that will uh, own no car, <laughs> just like the World Economic Forum said, right? That's President Biden's goal. By 2035, he wants the power sector of America to be carbon free. So if we accelerate these efforts, which is what technology and entrepreneurial activity help us to do, uh, this is going to... Yeah, somehow someone's just going to show up and fix this for us. It's just, we, uh, we believe, we believe in, uh, in you guys out there. Just, uh, just fix this for us. Just by 2035, magically, we'll have all these electrical cars somehow. It's going to change even faster. And, and so that's where I draw enormous hope and, and some optimism because I believe we can still make this happen. But we have to make the right decisions and implement those decisions. So he's a radical. Biden's being a popular, a, 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 a cop, Biden's being an extremist. <laughs> that's, that's right. He's, he's an extremist. Biden's being a popular, a, 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 a cop, a Biden's being an extremist. There you go. So the very people that walks up, remember he, Fediman, he, he backtracked, right? It's like, oh, no, no, I, I stand for, I stand for fracking and I, and I stand. Um, while previously it said, no, we got to do away with all that. You look, I'm not a huge fan of fracking per se, but shale has obviously be, have been very beneficial. However you slice it, not for maybe the environment, uh, I get the conflicting details on this. Some people are like, oh, it's very safe. And, you know, but eh, I don't know. Um, you crack the shale in that way and you have contamin contamination of the groundwater layer. But regardless, OK, you could argue all those things. They're they have been doing it traditionally. And that's basically gotten America to become much more energy independent they were, than they were only just like, what, 10 years ago, something like that. So this guy was against that. I said, no, we got to do away with all that. And then they changed their tune and said, no, no, we, we'll stand for that. It's fine. And now he, they, they get people in that still are going to pull this off, right? They're going to um, decommission oil and gas. And they're going to say, we all have to, uh, the green transition is here to stay. And the people voted for people that uh, that wanted that, essentially. So that will be justifying why they'll start moving in this direction. And it's going to be, it's going to be completely insane, by the way. And then you have the mysteriously, mysteriously, the, the usual stuff happening. Look, I, I know there's accidents. I know shit happens, right? But uh, here's just another, not, not one of those coincidences. A Chevron oil refinery is engulfed in flames. Uh, right now, multiple firefighters are battling a massive fire inside. This is from like the other day here. Uh, a massive fire inside a part of a Chevron oil refinery in El Segundo, California. Officials say it's unclear how the fire ignited as the fire spreads. Footage. There you go. Just uh, <clears throat> another uh, another refinery on fire. It's interesting. Uh, could be uh, completely organic, of course, but uh, but who knows? Who knows? All right. So here's the other uh, kind of bigger topic here of today, which I think is important uh, for you to be aware of. Uh, some of you will kind of be familiar with the general ideas, but they're advancing a little bit on this on some fronts. It's about basically hinging climate change uh, together with religion. And as I said before, instead of, I mean, look, there's some established kind of new age type of religions or 
uh, kind of a weird type of earth worship, which this really is, the the COP27 event that's going on right now highlights this, how they're trying to make this and go in this in this direction. They're pushing for that right now. The the whole, you know, the whole UN kind of religious aspect have, have been, of course, a very strange one. It's not like that they that they worship nature and it's not that they see humans as part of it. What they're pushing is like basically, oh, no, humans should uh, we should put nature behind glass. Well, actually, we'll be the ones behind glass, but but, you know, we'll be in the mega hubs somewhere with a VR headset, you know, eating the bugs in the pod, essentially. But you can look, you can look at nature. Oh, look, there's nature. We've rewilded everything. Look at how wonderful nature is. There it is right there. But you you can't be part of that. That's the that's the a big difference. Therefore, they're not they're not pagans. Uh, these these new religions that pop up. It's a weird new age type religion where basically you separate the people from actually like environment. You know what I mean? So they can like maybe maybe they worship things like that from like afar, but it's not like it's taken the human out of the equation, which of course is is completely new and hasn't really, as far as I know anyway, like existed before. I don't, I, I don't even think like uh, the. Uh, the misinterpretation around the Gnostics, which, you know, claims that they were all, you know, kind of anti, anti the world, essentially, right? It's all made by, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Yaldabadoth, essentially, right? But even that was a misinterpretation. But even even then you can say, like, okay, well, they still had, like, they might have had a weird, ta- you know, take on it or a weird relationship to it, but they were still part of it, you know what I mean? Now we have the technology where we just kind of can separate ourselves entirely and we can live in like synthetic artificial environments. And that's what this kind of stuff is part of. So the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development uh, is having a kind of a, I guess, a religious uh, ceremony, really, uh, at Mount Sinai. In Sinai, a prophetic call for climate justice and a ceremony of repentance. Between November 6th and 18th, 2022, the United Nations Climate Conference, COP27, will take place on the Sinai Peninsula in Sharam el-Sheikh. Egypt's religious communities and religious leaders have a key role to play in addressing climate change and climate justice. Which requires deep transformation within society. Of course, of course it does. Of course it does. Complete overhaul and we'll be in charge. The knowledge of what changes are critically needed to diminish long-term harm to the planet. Uh, and it's readily, readily available. However, bringing climate change in action demands deeper changes in attitude and a change of heart. So sorry, we got to change your, your, your emotional attitude towards this. And we got to get into your head and uh, rewire you, essentially. This has been the domain of religions for millennia. Religions are sources of inspiration for the transformation of heart and the ensuing changes of attitude. To support challenge, uh, to support challenge and inspire discussion during COP27 at Sharam el-Sheikh, interfaith climate events will take place in Sharam el-Sheikh, London, Jerusalem, and elsewhere that will be heart-stirring transformative and a moment of inspiration for religious communities and for humanity. Religious leaders will call for a re-examination of deep-seated attitudes and for identifying ways to transform these attitudes for the well-being of Earth, our common home. Look, I also think we should take care of Earth, but I also don't think we should exclude humans from it. 
you know, call me crazy. You know, there are things you can do to actually help the environment. And, and you know, you know, deindustrializing is not going to be part of that either. Um, it's going to lead to incredible collapse, right? Mount Sinai is a mountain whose memory and meaning loom large as a place of revelation in the collective consciousness of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and others. What are the others? As an ancient sacred place, it was the site of prophetic experience and receiving God's message for the prophets, uh, prophets Moses and Elijah in the three Abrahamic traditions and the prophet Muhammad in the Muslim tradition. COP27 taking place in Sinai can remind humanity of our sacred responsibility to care for God's creation. So that's the initial text to that. We're going to take a look at a couple of videos here too. A Finnish Lutheran priest has some stuff to say about this too. I'm not sure if they are behind it, but he seems to be have a fairly prominent role in this interfaith center for sustainable development. Oh, that's just that term, right? Um, so let's just listen to that. And you know, I, I think you, I think the framing is clear here. Basically, like it's it's. In a way, it is a new religion, but at the same time, they're using existing religious institutions and transforming them into something that fits their narrative much better. And again, I think that that's part of the great narrative that Klaus Schwab and, you know, these people talked about when they were in Saudi Arabia. We need a story. We need something where people belong. if If we can make it emotional, religious, spiritual, all the better, right? So this is what the, uh, the Finnish uh, priests said here. Listen to this. Greetings from Finland. My name is Tapio Luoma, and I am the Archbishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Finland. Esteemed leaders, dear brothers and sisters, every year on late October, the Finnish Ecumenical Council, a cooperative body of churches and Christian organizations in Finland, celebrates the so-called Ecumenical Responsibility Week. The purpose of this week is to make people reflect, question, and evaluate their own lifestyle in relation to the state of the world. Particular attention is paid to human rights and a just world. This year, the Finnish Ecumenical Council but uh, fuck uh, Whitey though, right? decided to show its support for the United Nations target program Agenda 2030 which strives to achieve the United Nations. So, <clears throat> right along Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. Wow, what a what a shocking surprise. You got a, a Lutheran Finnish priest uh, lining up the whole, I guess, the state religion of Finland and along these lines. Call me, wow, what a, what a magical shock. Strives to achieve the United Nations goals for a sustainable future on an individual and societal level. Mm-hmm. The Finnish word Kohtuus was chosen as the theme of this year's Ecumenical Responsibility Week. Kohtuus. Do you have any Finns watching? <clears throat> I assume Swedish imperialism still reigns and you're, t- you're taught Swedish, am I right? Is that same as Logom? Could, could, does anybody in chat know? Is that Logom? I'm just... A, a, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just curious. I don't like it. It's a small tangent. Let me know if there's someone speaking uh, Finnish and Swedish. Then. The Finnish word kohtuus can be translated into moderation, which means not aiming for too much or too little, but just right. It can also mean. Yeah, so most likely that's what it, it It's most likely that. In unselfishness. 
that you do not act only for your own good, but take the best of others into a consideration. The word can be translated even into an idea of balance or harmony. I believe that today's people and societies should relearn a way of life that boils down to those key words, moderation, unselfishness and balance. And it's like, okay, that's, that's, you know, that's good, right? I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's way too <clears throat> extreme and unbalanced in this saying it. But it always comes down to, well, according to whom and whose definition and who's deciding what what that is and in relation to what, right? It's it's like it usually is, right? And you never really get like clear definitions of this stuff or, well, what do you mean? And then, of course, you know, if they do things such as, you know, oh, it lines up with Agenda 2030, then it's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> like, no way. This is just like weirdo new religious uh uh, cult mentality that's like baking in, you know, climate change with the sustainable development goals, which, which again, it just means a bunch more of the same. All the global homo stuff. It means, you know, open borders and like, oh, you can't be, you're not selfish, are you? Are you thinking about yourself now? Oh, you have to put the group in, in, in head of you. But, but of course, we as white people can't think as a group. You can't think, you know, let's say, uh, dismissing individuality then. Uh, and saying, well, we need to think as a group. No, that would be highly discouraged and dismissed, obviously, right? So you got to think globally. That's the point, too. You have to think global homo and everyone else. We should not hoard things for ourselves, nor spend more than we need. Tell that to, uh, you know, to <laughs> Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and, you know, well, he's not alive now, but, you know, like um, Sheldon, the Sheldon Adelsons, tell that to... Uh, Larry Fink or whatever, right? No, they'll be fine. They're, they're the one pushing or li- at least lining up with s- stuff like this, right? The ESG and the, for them, it will be fine. They'll be fine. As religious leaders, our task is to first embrace this ourselves and practice it in our own communities. Only after that, we can act as shouting voice in society and encourage and demand the same from others. The Evangelical Lutheran Church of Finland has set itself the goal of being carbon neutral in 2030. <laughs> the goal. Oh my God! So you, there it is, right? I don't think we, ha- at least not officially, we had that type of alignment with a lot of, re- you know, the Pope, the Pope and the Catholic Church have kind of pushed these things, right? I think m- maybe I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I'll find, maybe there are some articles out there of him detailing like. Oh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and climate change. You know, we know we know some of that stuff, <clears throat> but I think you're going to start seeing this more and more and more, right? And you're also going to start to see a an attempted merging or like unification of the different Abrahamic uh, uh, branches, right? So you have that uh, new building in was it Saudi Arabia? Um, was it called Abram House or what was it called again? I, I covered it a while back. They're building three mega cubes right they're building a, a a cube for judaism they're building a cube for christianity and they're building a cube for uh for for islam right a, a mosque a church and a synagogue um i'll find the right exact name for it but it was like abraham abraham house or something like that right and so you're going to see at least an attempted unification of utilizing the existing religious structures and take that more towards climate change and turning this into a, cli- a climate change cult, essentially. All is important and we have a lot of work to do to achieve it.
the church has a lot of buildings, about 8,000, and also a lot of forests, over 160,000 hectares. To achieve the goal, buildings must be made energy efficient and carbon neutral. Forests must be protected and managed so that they act as carbon sinks and are diverse. <laughs> In addition, we should favor a vegetarian diet. Mm. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, real okay. change Absolutely. requires Naturally. both. Why am, I, why am I not surprised, <laughs> surprised by that? Every time. Of course, you should eat. We need to eat the bugs. It needs concrete goals and actions from churches and other religious communities, mm -hmm. from companies, cities and states. But it also requires a change of heart. We need moderation, unselfishness and balance, or kohtus, as we say in Finnish. All according to our standards. Let us pray. Lord, did All right, we're not, we're not doing that. All right, <clears throat> so there you go, and we have we have one more video here, folks. The Eco Bible and climate change. We're here in the old city of Jerusalem, near the Western Wall, the Dome of the Rock, and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Many religious people think that religion is one thing and ecology is another thing and never do the two meet. So why do we publish an ecological commentary to the Bible? <laughs> oh, what does the Bible no. have to say about climate change? The rainbow is given as a sign that God is not going to destroy the world. According to Nachmanides, writing about 800 years ago, the rainbow is a symbol of an army that has decided to stop fighting in a war and they put their bows into the air and that half arc is a sign of not wanting to make war and so that's a it's it's the sign of the noahide loss that's what it, that literally is what the <laughs> what the symbol is for <laughs> sign that god doesn't want to keep making war with the earth and that god was ending the flood according to the late rabbi jonathan sachs chief however if we don't do with it However, if we don't do these things, there will be another flood. Isn't that the narrative within the climate change cult now, right? Oh, it's going to be all these uh, cities are going to be flooded and islands are going to disappear and blah, 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 right? Rabbi of the British Commonwealth, there's an unspoken second half of that rainbow. And that's that humanity is also not supposed to make war on God's creation. In our times, we're pumping greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere with reckless abandon. And so at some level... Let me it's be like really clear on that. I don't think we should ruin things. You can be smart ecologically. But this idea that carbon has become the enemy is patently absurd and unscientific. And there's nothing behind that that, that should be taken seriously. That, that's just the short and the, and the end of it. A lot of things could be done, but rarely do you hear these people talking about that, right? Uh, a lot of you know chemical problems. There's a lot of uh, in, you know, environmental damage because of certain areas overcrowded and things like that. Right. Anyway, that's kind of going out the window now. Anyway, we're going to have a demographic uh, collapse. Anyway, uh, anyway, the, it, this is very interesting. The rainbow here. It's Judaism. It's Christianity. It's Lutheranism, and it's all pivoting towards using Bible, using the biblical scriptures to drag people into that climate change cult mentality. I think I think this is very smart on their on their behalf. 
Hopefully, you get a lot of people that uh, that that dismiss that and turn against it. But I think a lot of people will be dragged into it, unfortunately. Uh, but hopefully, I'm wrong. We're shooting arrows into the atmosphere, and our carbon emissions are staying there for a hundred years through our plane travel, through eating of meat, through other ways that we burn. Fossil no, tra no travel, no uh, no eating meat, folks. Fossil fuels. So we can learn from this implicit covenant of the rainbow that involves not only God, but also people to be better stewards of God's creation. All right, is that it? Oh, it might be a little more here. Let me see. Eco Bible, we bring together hundreds. Is this, a, what was that, Lutheran? Pastor Caleb Granier, St. Andrew's Lutheran Church. Okay, let's see this one. In the Eco Bible, we bring together hundreds of ideas from rabbis going back over the millennia and contemporary scientists. And I'm proud to share with you that we just published Eco Bible on the world's biggest market in history, Amazon. I'm also glad to share <laughs> that Eco Bible. Wow, that's, uh, that's that's incredible. Bestseller in several Amazon Kindle categories. We published Volume One on Genesis and Exodus, and we're going to be publishing Volume Two on Leviticus. Numbers and Deuteronomy. The Eco Bible provides us with an inv invaluable resource and inspiration drawn from a vast cross section of Jewish sources and commentaries. <clears throat> excuse me, to enable us to live up to the biblical mandate to love the Creator and His creation. Uh, Rabbi David Rosen. All right, so just a bunch of quotes here at the end. Let's go back here. The ecological crisis is not a crisis of the birds and the bees or the trees and the toads. It's a crisis of how we live as spiritual beings in a physical reality. To live sustainably, humanity needs to access the wellspring of religious teachings on ecology. Everything hangs in the balance in this current moment. The rainforests are shrinking, the deserts are expanding, the ice caps are melting, the planet is heating. So with no. praise to God, we're but most of that is bullshit. Bible from Jerusalem. All right, Reverend Dr. Maria Lepekari, Director, Swedish Theological Institute, Jerusalem. I had one to put the videos up over there, so I can't, I can't, I can't see that uh, quote there now. All right. Anyway, incredible stuff, right? They have the uh, <clears throat> United Nations seal here on the website, Faith for Earth, with the. Uh, uh, the uh, Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals on it and stuff like that. So you, you, you're seeing what's going on here, right? The Elijah Interfaith Institute, the Peace Department. What is that? The, is that Israeli? Kind of looks like it. Maybe it's not. Is that Israeli? Can I click on that? I'm just curious. Let me see. No, I can't click on that. Okay. Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development. So this is happening right now. And they're going to have some little... Uh, religious uh, uh, cult right here regarding all of this uh, at Mount Sinai here. I'm not sure if it happened already. I, I searched for it in Google News. There was a couple of these stories that came up. <clears throat> Here's from the Lutheran World Federation, COP27. People of faith join hands on eve of climate summit. Uh, let me see. Was there a I don't think it was a video here. Uh, Our commitment fundamentally is based on faith, said Romario Dorman. Dol Do from the Evangelical Church of the River Plate. Uh, As stewards of creation, we are not its owner, but its caretakers. Anyway, a bunch of quotes here. All right, so anyway, so this is, it's a, it's a time of crisis, and this is happening right now. Uh, we have to act now and don't think, whatever. 
and let's bring all the religions with us here. Right? Interfaith Dialogue promotes holistic reflection on climate change on eve of COP27 in Egypt. Right? Let's play a little bit of this one here. Interfaith Gathering in the Spirit of Talanoa Dialogue. All right, so that the COP, uh, this is at COP27 here. World Council of Churches released this video. We are here for the interfaith di dialogue on climate change. We call it the Talanoa Dialogue, that we, they got a concept from Fiji, and it's a way of Describing where we are from Fiji. All right. Okay. Where we want to go and find a way forward from this dialogue. Those together as we go into groups now to have this discussion where we come from different different faith traditions and even different religions. How can we be part of the great? Looks uh, full of uh, full of the spirit. Uh, this guy here. Transition that we need when we are in this climate crisis. That's right, we need to, uh, just, we need, there's no debate, everyone has agreed to this, and we, it's a crisis, and we get, we have to act now. The faith, we do need to act together, but before we can act together, we need to be together. It's about going That's right, we need to, we need to unify everybody, okay? That's, that's the most important thing right now. We all need to uh, be as one, right? It's funny, because you, you know, you hear this like, oh, they're trying to, um, sometimes you hear that within like those who kind of oppose that like white people should have an identity of their own or something, or, you know, we should, it doesn't mean we have to be mean to others, but it means, you know, we, we, we look after ourselves and us first and our kids and, you know, and you, you do the same, you know, you do you kind of thing, right? Oh, no, that they're trying to divide us, right? You hear, you hear that slogan all the time and it's like, uh, no, that literally at every turn, look, look, it's occasionally, they might weaponize an ideology or a group usually to turn against, let's say, Western civilization or white people or something like that, of course. And that and that's I can recognize that's a kind of a you know, division or whatever. But that 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 works because there's already a natural division there, of course. Right. But no, the the, the primary thing that they're trying to do is to, it's to unify everybody. It's a one world religion. It's a one world governmental structure is a one world uh, you know, mind. It's a one world world uh, new individual essentially that they want and 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 programs like this is is the proof for that this is this is the addition to global governance right you govern people on multiple levels psychologically physically and and of course spiritually as well and this takes care of the spiritual part particularity of religion but it's about being together in a common cause the whole of humanity faces this crisis and so a dialogue like today definitely takes us a very powerful step into that direction it's so important that we understand um, how we live our faith how we live out into the world and into our own communities, our faith. So whatever your basis of faith is and your spirituality, it's so important to live it out. So here in this context of the COP, living out our faith is how do we engage the other? How do we engage the negotiators? How do we engage our, our fellow NGOs and uh, observers? Mostly for me, it's important in how we engage with Indigenous peoples, but I'm mostly heartened by the young people.
course it is. People who are coming forward so emphatically and so strong. Uh, so when I go, I will feel um, uh, encouraged and justified that young people have got this. It's also a way for us as faith communities to to uh, formulate ourselves in these issues and also understand how much in common we have. So it's, it's a work for the future. It's not just for this call. All right, wonderful. Very exciting, folks. So that's from the uh, uh, World Council of Churches. <clears throat> here we have, I guess there's more here from the, on the Eco Bible. Oh, do we need to look at this? I guess we can look a little bit more. The Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development, our mission. The Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development reveals that the connection between religion and ecology and mobilizes as faith communities to act. This group works on a global basis which er, uh, with current engagement in Africa, the Middle East, North America, and Europe. Let's see how long this is here. Okay, no, this is short enough. Let's listen to this a little bit. Here's the back to the uh, the rabbi here. Spirituality, environmental issues. The Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development is mission is to catalyze a transition to a sustainable, thriving, and spiritually aware society through the leadership of faith communities. I want to share a brief quote from Dr. Gus Speth, who was the former dean of the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. He said. I used to think that if we threw enough good science at the environmental problems, we could solve them. I was wrong. The main threats of the environment are not biodiversity loss, pollution, and climate change, as I once thought. They are selfishness and greed and pride. And for that, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation, something we scientists don't know much about. The ecological crisis, in my view, is actually messaging that religion needs to step up to the plate. Because the ecological crisis is not a crisis of the birds and the bees or the trees and the toads. It's a crisis of the human being and of how we live as spiritual beings in a physical reality. And therefore, the response to the ecological crisis, if for the issue really to be addressed, has to be addressed at the deeper level in, in regards to spirituality and religion and faith. And that's, that's why it's so important that we're here today in order to uh, look at how theological education can speak to these issues. It's not also just about addressing ecology and environmental justice, which are very important. It also has an effect on theological education itself, because as you know, many young people today seek in their theological studies to know how does my faith relate to these issues that, I, that I'm concerned about. And by speaking to them, this, this and, and relating ecology to religion or, or finding how ecology flows organically from religion, as Pope Francis so clearly has demonstrated, uh, that also helps to um, renew the relevance of religion in modern society. So there, there you go. So it's a win-win, right? You renew the relevance according, you know, there's like, it's a kind of on decline for the most part in the world. The world is becoming less religious, right, as they modernize and urbanize and stuff. And you have, of course, declining uh, uh, demographics, population numbers, uh, fertility is going down as a, partially as a consequence of those things. This is a way of then, as I said, it's not, they're not going to invent a new religion of sorts. They are using, uh, at least, at least they want, they want to build a new structure, a framework for it. They will use the existing one and then just kind of transplant their stuff onto it or reinterpret things, right, in that manner. 
And so it's a win-win for them as well. Oh, you know, now it has meaning to all these young kids that we've indoctrinated with climate change and they think they're all going to die. And, you know, and you kind of have, you know, the same as, a, as, an, as an apocalyptic uh, uh, kind of an end, uh, end times um, theology or, or, or idea story, I guess, weaved into it and stuff like that. So there are some of those overlaps and they will utilize that and they will uh, they will do that reinterpretation. And they could they could very well be very successful with something like this. To be honest, uh, COP twenty seven, Pope Francis invites Christians to a month of ecological conversation. Pope Francis has pledged, uh, sorry, placed the twenty twenty two edition of the Time of Creation under the sign of the fight against climate change during the ecumenical celebration, which will run from the 1st of September to 4th of October 2022. The pontiff is inviting Catholics and Christians from other from other churches to undertake an ecological conversation. Right. So here, so here it goes. Here's the UN World Religion lining up with uh, the Pope stuff and uh, and the other established Abrahamic uh, religions. Fascinating. So now you know what they're doing on this front and what the, what, what they're what they're up to, basically, right? Uh, Ultima Power says, uh, "Good evening, Henrik. Uh, got three feet of snow here in northern Washington. Yeah, we got some here too in northern Idaho. Um, m- most of it is kind of melted, but there's still some on the ground. Uh, pretty cold, though. Pretty sure." Ultima Power continues here. Pretty sure this is the dark winter Biden was told to talk about. I, I, I most agree on that, yeah. Also, our elections in Washington have been rigged for decades. It takes longer than a day to count the votes. Something is fishy, yeah. Was it someone pointed out that they the votes of like... Uh, I forget one of the... like America's Got Talent or something. You know, some, I forget what it was. It was like 500,000 votes or something like, you know, counted instantly and stuff. If they wanted to fixed as they could to be honest you know what i mean but they uh, they don't want it no, no this is it's it's rigged and and they're um they're pushing out this is how they do this is how they do it they can't they can't rely on an actual democratic system and you can't rely on you know potential populists to be elected and again steering away from agendas like this now i wanted to uh wing this by too this is kind of an interesting story i think it's it's not as dramatic as this this headline indicates here we'll, we'll look at the the details um, but the claim here is that Sweden ditches Agenda 2030's climate change scam. Oh, really? Okay. On October 17th, 2022, Ulf Kristersson, which is the leader of the moderate party, who's selected um, as the prime minister, um, after the day after he was elected, the next day, he made it clear there would be no climate and environment minister. He dissolved the Ministry of the Environment. Environmental issues have been relocated to the Ministry of Enterprise and Innovation, um, which is which is interesting. But I th- I don't think it's as dramatic as that. Some of the Swedish headlines said. Let me read those to you real quick here. Uh, Today's news says uh, the new government scraps the environmental department. Uh, Dagens Industri, today's industry, had the similar headline. Um, the environmental department uh, is cancelled uh, with the devastating consequences. Now, what should be known about this is that they don't, they're not actually... They, they still have a position for this. They're basically just baking it into a new... Uh, department as opposed to just having kind of its own dedicated one right uh it's still up on the website for the for the um the the government in sweden 
the, the environmental department, uh, but they're adding it in under the, um, yeah, what was it, the, the, the translation here, again, I get that get the right, uh, yeah, Inter- Minister for Enterprise and Innovation, right, so they're, they're baking that into it. So I think it's still going to be, have a kind of a leading role. It's still going to be an issue. I think the, the the Greens and the Libs and all that stuff are freaking out and they think, oh my God, that means no consideration. You, I'd be very shocked if they would do away with that like overnight immediately in a country like Sweden. Um, to be honest, it, I guess what would potentially happen is that it's like maybe some of the, from their point of view, then their business consideration is weaved into the environmental questions as well. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be a run by uh, uh, one from the Liberal Party. It's a completely insane uh, party, the, the, the Liberals. Uh, Romina Purkuhatari. What is it? Is it Estonian or something? I, I don't know what she, where she's from. Uh, let me just check that real quick. Imagine that. Another, uh, another uh, outsider, eh? What does it say? Personal life? Uh, father, a political refugee from Iran. Okay, there we go. Um, her mother, is she Swedish then? I don't know. Anyway, so she'll be heading that up. Anyway, that's what it says here. Uh, the P- Department of Energy and Innovation and Business um, is Ebba Bush from the uh, Christian Democrats, uh, while the new climate and uh, environmental minister, Rumina Purkutari, uh, from the Liberals, will be climate and business department um, Head or chair, I guess you could you could say. So we'll see what happens. The point is, I we'll see. It's, it's too early to tell. Maybe they do some amazing thing, but there's been no like, oh my god, we. There's been no state. Unlike the headline says, there's been no like official statement. Like, okay, we're not doing you know agenda 2030 yet. I I think I read a while back. Like you can find these things on most government websites. Uh, I'll see if I can dig out some for for the next show. More details on that, but for the most part, you can find that on like you know most Western. European, like, oh, we, we're dedicated to sustainable development goals or, or you know, our government aligns with Agenda 2030, blah, 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 stuff like that. I mean, most of the countries signed on to it anyway, right? 180, I think something, plus, or 70 plus countries did sign up for, for Agenda 2030 or Agenda 21, as it was called back then. Um, so that hasn't changed. They haven't, like, scrapped that. So it's kind of a misleading headline. Imagine that, as usual. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that there might be some better positions on you know the most insane climate questions which again have been mostly uh, subversive and very little has been actually um dedicated to dealing with true environmental issues so we'll see what happens but it's an it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting development on that but uh yeah i think we're gonna have to start start wrapping up here we had some other stories for today i guess the last let me we can do let's do this as the last segment here Actually, and we can end on this. Um, shortages, climate change, economy, fertilizer issues, uh, war in Ukraine. You know, we, you, you know the the thought process here. Everything's connected, right? So, Ukraine has been a, a a linchpin in this towards getting us to this agenda, getting Russians minerals and fertilizer off the market entirely through the sanctions issue. Uh, Ukraine, of, of course, stopped export of these kinds of things as well. So you've have a tremendous loss on that front, right? So perfectly, a perfectly executed puzzle piece, if you will, uh, in the Agenda 2030 uh, goals when it comes to the Ukraine-Russia war. U.S. military is now doing on-site weapons inspections in Ukraine. So they're being, uh, have, a, have a bigger uh, involvement in that. And uh, the next story I want to just uh, show you 
or next video I want to show you is how back in 2014, the uh, TV show that ran in Ukraine, Madame Secretary with with uh, with Zelensky in it because he was a he was an actor. Remember, it was run by uh, you know they talked about how his the the, the war is run by an ex t- uh, TV producer crew essentially right essentially. Very interesting uh, uh, clip here that someone pulled out. Eastern Ukraine becomes independent from Luhansk to Odessa with the end of U.S. sanctions against Russia. Russia resumes oil and gas supplies to the EU for at least 15 years. Listen to this clip here. So this was filmed back in 2014. Good. Eastern Ukraine will become an autonomous state with its borders along the north of the Black Sea from Luhansk to Odessa Oblast. Puppet of Russia. An end to all United States economic sanctions on the Russian government as well as on individual Russians. An end to all travel bans except those on the United States terrorist watch list. Russia agrees to restore gas and oil supplies to all European Union countries effective immediately and without interruption for a minimum of 15 years. And that's everything. There you go. Wow. Okay. It's almost like someone. Uh, it's almost like someone scripted this. Holy smokes! Can't make it up, folks. So to make uh, matters a little bit more interesting in this. Oh, not that one. Where where did it go? No, no, no. That's not the one. Okay. Here, here it is. I think. Okay. No, I only have the video for that. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> where did we go? Here? Uh, here we go. All right. So. Sean Penn <coughs> went over there, and of course, he gave Zelensky one of his Oscars for best that he won for best actor. This is for you. Oh, Sean! Yes. <laughs> no, please. That it is yours. No, I I feel terrible outside. I just it's just a symbolic silly thing. Yes, but, but I, if okay. I know, but if I know this is here with you. Then I'll then I'll feel better and stronger to, for the fight. So great, great honor, but yeah. until we will. When you when you win, bring it back to Malibu. Great, yes. great, okay. Because I'll feel okay. much better knowing there's a piece of me here. We have to be. A moment which is very important. It's not from me. It's from Ukraine. And it's more. All right, there you go. <clears throat> so he has an Oscar that uh, Sean Penn won for Best Actor. <laughs> I can't make it up. And I'm thinking, of, I'm, I'm looking for that one clip, but we played it a while ago. Maybe if you're, uh, uh, if you a viewer has been with us for a while, you know which one I'm talking about. But it's the guy at MSNBC talking about how much he admires the Zelensky kind of apparatus around him, really. And he admits there that it's basically being run by ex-television producers, you know. And it's it's incredible, right? And of course, you had a, the recent. Um, he went in and we, we played that clip too. When he's he's getting a full 3D scan, Zelensky, right? And essentially, they can do like a, a, a they can use AI and, and a kind of a deep fake, essentially, to uh, you know to use as they please, essentially. So we, we don't even know if like the, he might check out at some point, and all we're gonna get is like TV updates from some digital deep fake or something. It, uh, that's that's how crazy it is now. It's going into a VR or a, Maybe like an augmented reality realm, really. That's that's the next step to all of this. All right. Anyway, we did have some other stories, but uh, 
we'll uh, push those back until next time. Please join us on Friday for Flashback Friday. Uh, another good show coming up, of course. Uh, don't forget to check out the latest members video up on redhousemembers.com right now. I think this is a very important topic. It's one of the most important things to focus on right now because I think overall there's very little attention uh, brought to these things. The depopulation opportunity. Demographers and economists alike are absolutely clueless as to why this is happening. And essentially, I was, I was starting to look into, uh, there's a book out called The uh, Empty Planet with two Canadian authors. And basically, they admit in there that if you, if you basically, well, one, they admit that it's television that essentially is changing demographics around the world as, as women sit at home, even, even in developing world and things like that, you know, countries like Brazil and, and, and places where you've had a high birth rate. They're urbanizing and modernizing quicker than the West did. And so therefore their uh, replacement of fertility rates are, are declining fat. They're aging faster even than European and Western societies are doing. But they're admitting in there and talking about that, that this basically education and uh, uh, schooling and television that's causing the, the decline of, of the birth rates. Many of these women, you know, they become... Um, uh, propagandized into thinking they, they don't want to have big families anymore. And they look at, oh, well, my mom grew up this. Anyway, there's probably an extension to that. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But essentially, it's, it's about unless you go into some kind of, I guess, religious mode or something like that. I'm not saying this is the only way. I, th I think the population number will at some point kind of begin to recover. and They will plateau and recover. And at some point, you're going to be mostly left with individuals that are either not susceptible to the propaganda and they intentionally want to have larger families because they, you know, they're just different than many of the liberal mutants that want none or maybe just one or something like that. So those are going to be weeded out in a way, and you're going to be left with a smaller but a much more hardcore group that's more dedicated to, uh, to family, no matter what the circumstances are. Now, it just happens to be that I think the modernization process will begin to crumble, which I think could actually work to our advantage. doesn't mean it won't be hard. doesn't mean we won't have issues or problems. Economic is it's going to be tougher because we have a debt-based system that's based on population growth and that's why of course they've tried to make up with it with immigration and stuff but even that doesn't work it just offsets the inevitable anyway now you just have two problems as opposed to just one now you're left with sure temporarily a larger population but that population is now going to be divided along ethnic and in some cases religious lines as well and that's going to be an even bigger problem but you know anyway Interesting discussion. Checked out that uh, that video we did because that's, I think, a really good one. It's only 10 bucks a month over at RedEyesMembers.com. You can sign up at SubscribeStar.com slash RedEyes. You can also get a membership at Odyssey.com forward slash at TV. Please check that out. That supports us. That uh, helps us keep going. That helps uh, keep uh, the shows coming as well. We do want to expand. We want to hire full-time editors. We can do more and do more, uh, you know, clips and stuff like that from shows. Uh, we're overworked. We just don't have the uh, man. Uh, the, the manpower. We don't have the uh, the, the time of the day. Uh, we're overworked. So if you want to put some resources that way, please consider getting a producer or executive producer tier. You can do that right now over at Odyssey. You can also do it at Subscribestar. I think I'd favor Odyssey. They're a little bit better on the fees issue than Subscribestar, but whatever is convenient, whatever works for you. So uh, thank you guys. But uh, no, Odyssey is turning out to be a, a very good option as well. So please check that out. I also want to say thanks to our executive producers today. As usual, of course, T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Shocky Milk, 
French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Obunga, fetch me if you can, and Mongoose. That's our executive producers. Thank you so much, guys. We also have Mr. Walker, 696, Johansson, and Leroy Dumond as producers. If you recently got a, you know, a um, producer or executive producer tier, just reach out to us if we don't have you in there yet. Sometimes on Subscribestar, you might uh, update your subscription or, you know, you, you upgraded your tier and we can't see you. You don't show up like, you know, latest added kind of thing. So I've searched through. I know we have, I think we have four producers, but I only have three in there now. So if you're not there, just reach out, contact us. We can, you know, put your name in there. We want to recognize that and, and say thanks to you uh, as well. All right. Thank you, boys and girls. We appreciate you. Again, check out redashmembers.com. Everything is up there right now. You can uh, sign up through that or a number of other ways. It's uh, actually very convenient uh, and easy. So, as I said, we'll be back with more. We have shorter videos we're working on. We do have more uh, interviews in the pipeline as well. And, of course, uh, it's always an exciting time with a lot of things to cover. And it's always uh, reasons to actually remain positive, maybe ironically, in, in the strange times that we find ourselves in. But remember this. There's one thing you can do to help right now. It's to have more children. That is the number one thing. That's what's going to make everything better later on down the road for, for everybody, especially those that are inclined uh, towards uh, our point of view. Uh, and again, the second thing you can do is, is find your people, find your tribe, uh, move, be ready to relocate, especially in these tumultuous times. It's a, a great time to do it. It's never been a, a, I think a better time. I know everyone can't do it. But if not, you gotta you gotta make it. You gotta you gotta be that linchpin. You gotta be that center of a community. Find good people. Get to know people around you. I know sometimes that's hard, right? But that's that's one thing we can do, which is very good. Have more kids and then start building a community. Those are some of the things that's going to ensure that we do much better, uh, as opposed to poorly or disastrously uh, in the next coming years. All right, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for watching. Go to RedIceMembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows, interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at Subscribestar.com forward slash RedIce. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.